Want to be a part of the conversation? Then let us know on the TNT Radio interactive live chat room at tntradio.live. Lighting the fuse for freedom. Today's news talk, TNT Radio. Talking about issues and coming up with solutions. Dean Mackin on today's news talk, TNT Radio. And welcome back to the program. Thank you for sticking around. And for those of you who are not yet watching, or if you have never watched an, uh, an episode yet, you're missing out. It really is good. It's terrific. Uh, when I finish this, I normally go and pour myself a, a wee glass of Chardonnay. I go into the lounge room. I fire up the 82-inch TV. I sit back. I put my feet up on the recliner, and I watch Katie Hopkins. And it is a truly magnificent experience. And whilst I, I get the impression Katie would rather not be on video, She's wonderful. She's just absolutely wonderful to watch when she does a thing. I think it's absolutely terrific. And um, I would encourage you all to do it. If your TV isn't as smart as you'd like it to be, you can make it a bit smarter. And uh, you, you can get a lot of smart devices, whether that be a, a Google Chromecast. Uh, a, a Amazon make one called the, I'll find out and I'll let you know later. Of course, you can get the Apple TV, which is the best one. A couple of hundred Australian dollars will find you one of those. But plug it in. Even if you've got a smart TV, it will be smarter. Just talk to it. You can literally hold the talk button and say YouTube TNT radio live stream. It fires up the app via the first word. It types in for you TNT radio live stream or whatever, Mount Kosciuszko, whatever you are interested in. It'll do it with a push of a button. So much better than those of you who have that remote control. Something like a wand where you've got to go and spell it out and point it like a, a magical extended laser wand, or you've got to sit there and, you know, like the old Nokia phones and hit the button to type it in. You know, M is, you know, hit the uh, the six button twice or N, you got to wait and hit it three times, that type of thing. You know, bugger that, get an Apple TV, make your viewing experience here at TNT that much better. And we're doing really well when it comes to our video shorts and our live video. If you go onto our Twitter page, Forget, forget YouTube, forget Facebook, go to Twitter. That's where it's all happening. And uh, some of the videos are getting massive uh, numbers of hits. It's getting more and more popular since we've changed to this video format. And I think it is absolutely wonderful and a big uh, kudos to those who are behind the scenes working their butts off to make this uh, uh, work. And it looks absolutely wonderful. So please uh, check it out. I think once you, uh, you've done that once, you'll be sold. Uh, something you may not be sold on is the weather come Christmas Day here in Australia. For those in the UK, somebody... Um, on, on there, I think Ivan, I think Ivan in the chat, I think he's over in the UK. Ivan, do a quick Google for me and tell me what the weather is going to be like over in the UK for Christmas. But here on the east coast of Australia, they are advocating stormy, rainy, wet. And uh, that's not what we want. We want the barbecue. We want the pool. But uh, we can't always get what we want, can we? And uh, I've got a confession to make. Yes, I had to give, I think I, think I gave Mark Zuckerberg some money today. I don't know if I did. Um, my son... I bought him a, a, a new gaming monitor, a 4K monitor. It turns out his old one was a 4K monitor and he had the wrong cable, I didn't realise. And uh, so I felt bad that his new present wasn't much better. So he wanted a Meta Quest 3 VR headset. And if it's Meta, it's probably to do with uh, Facebook and Zuckerberg. So I may have given him some money. I don't know, it's a bit of technology, and I won't let him use it on Facebook or their metaverse. I absolutely won't do that. When it comes to one of my pet loves, and I'm sure you've already figured that out, 
It's the, uh, you know, sci-fi movies and the destruction thereof by Disney and whatever. And I just want to quickly give you a couple of updates as to how wrong they got it. Now, the Hulk. Remember Lou, for Lou Ferrigno, Lou Ferrino, however you want to pronounce it, you know, back in the good old days with Bill Bixby, you know, uh, just terrific days, terrific things. And the Hulk was always a guy. The Hulk's a guy. No, we can't have that. we got to have a she-Hulk. You know, we've got a gender swap, you know, maybe do a bit of race swapping, whatever. I think Lou Ferrino was Italian. I loved it. Leave him be Italian, for God's sake. You know, there was the Hulk, but no, they had to bring out She-Hulk. <laughs> oh, have you seen an episode? You have to watch an episode. It's not a comedy, but it really is. It really is a comedy. I love, I would implore you to watch a single episode as a lawyer, female lawyer, becomes this Hulk-like thing, turns green. It is horrific. It's not funny, but it'll make you laugh. And from that, you can make out the rest. I'm going to do a big whole thing tomorrow. I'm going to talk about for five minutes about Ryan Reynolds and this new Deadpool movie as well, because the reason I keep talking about this is Hollywood is what is influencing our kids. I mean, the kids of the adults of tomorrow are the kids of today. It's what they see at the cinema, all this token nonsense that you have to sit through. Have you been to a cinema lately? The cinema advertising, every single bit of it is woke and you can predict exactly what's going to happen in the ad. I mean, you you pick a subject, whether it be a, a phone service or a, a cooking utensil, hit pause before the ad starts, and I'll tell you exactly what kind of token representation that will have. It really is horrific. I'm sick of it. And I now get to the cinema. In fact, I ring up and I ask them, how many ads can I expect? And I went the other night. We literally went there 22 minutes after the official start time of the movie. It was only one movie that wasn't woke, Silent Night. We went to watch that and I still had to wait seven minutes before the movie started. So take from that what you will. I like to give back. I like watching movies, but I'm certainly not going to uh, have my son or certainly any of your kids. I would advocate that they don't go and watch any woke nonsense. Pick the movies that you watch and uh, it will shape who they are. It really does. Okay, we are going to talk imminently to the wonderful Gemma Cooper, but for a complete list of our shows uh, and the schedule offered here at TNT Radio, simply visit the website at tntradio.live. We serve up the latest live news and current affairs presented by a host of credible and expert commentators. We can separate fact from fiction, truth from propaganda. We're right here at TNT Radio. There's a lot going on, so it's important to stay informed and up to date. Get ready, because here we go. At the top, 30 minutes past and when it breaks. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. The wonderful Gemma Cooper joins us. And of course, this is where I hijack Gemma for a couple of minutes before she gets to some serious business. And Gemma, we were talking about movies and, you know, great movies. And I know you like some classics, but one that I think is absolutely wonderful coming out of the UK and one that they've just re-released uh, to the public and it's in cinemas at the moment, not in wide release, is Love Actually. What a terrific movie that is. And it is a Christmas movie. It's all right. You know, I don't really share this mass adoration of Love Actually. I've seen it a few times. It's a nice little feel-good film. I think it's probably because the character that plays the um, 
well, she's like the maid or whatever in the in Downing Street is a former EastEnders character. EastEnders is a massive was is a massive soap opera. And when I was fully in the Matrix, <clears throat> I used to watch soap operas for my sins. My God, hardly watch TV at all now. Um, but I couldn't get over the character she used to play, and she was really famous for playing in a UK soap opera. Suddenly being, you know, with the PM, it just didn't. I couldn't. I couldn't. The two realities collided, and I couldn't make it work. It's okay. okay. So, it's an okay movie. So this is the woman that ends up going out with Hugh Grant, yeah. That's the one, yeah. And what was the character that she played in EastEnders? How different was the the character? I've never watched EastEnders. Well, it was a kind of a similar character, you know, the work the working class girl with a heart of gold. What was her name? Was it Tiffany? I can't even remember now. It's a whole mm. other life that I used to live. Um, but the two characters are broadly similar. You know, she's she's a girl from a working class background. She's in Downing Street. She's Londoner. Oh, how's it going? You know, and all of that. And she ends up with the Prime Minister Hugh Grant. And just like really, and it didn't. I didn't think the chemistry worked between them that brilliantly. Actually, I'm sorry for any Love Actually fans out there. I know it's a hugely popular <laughs> film, but you picked the wrong person, Dean, to talk about Love Actually. Sorry, mate. It is very clever. And of course, everyone watching, remember, Lethal Weapon is a Christmas movie. So is Die Hard. That's a bit of a stretch. But anyway, uh, Gemma, onto some serious matters. What have you got for us? Oh, no, Die Hard. Now you're talking. There's a movie. There's a Christmas movie. <laughs> That's a movie, mate. Don't, they don't start make me. Oh, wicked film. And Bruce Willis, you know, poor Bruce, you know, he's 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 not very well now. And you just think that's a character, isn't it? John McClane. That's a man. I just love yeah. that film. I think it's great. So, yeah, I, let's not go on too much about Christmas. Movies, so, but, yeah. Yeah, with, with Bruce Willis, I mean, I think it's terrific that his ex-wife, Demi Moore, um, has been so supportive of him in his current state. He's really going through some uh, horrific stuff um, that I don't want to get into. But, I mean, I think it was really obvious when you see somebody such as Bruce Willis and in one of the the leaked family videos, he had a, a tooth missing, something that I, I guess normally somebody of his stature and um, notoriety would have had fixed immediately. The fact that he didn't take that upon himself to do that told me maybe a little bit about his own mindset and where he was. Not that it really matters. I'm not saying that it matters, but it just told me a little bit more than probably I, I should have been allowed to know, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I mean, that's social media, isn't it? And they're kind of, you know, we're in everyone's lives all the time now. And it's a, this kind of get, leads me into what I want to talk about, because in the last well hour, really, since we were last on air, um, and you were talking about smart TVs and technology and all that. Yeah. And I'm a bit, I'm, I'm quite, I mean, I don't know you that well yet, Dean, but I'm a surprised a man of your caliber and your awareness of the world is so in, enamored with smart technology, because there's a whole sinister side to the whole digital AI thing, which brings me on to the story I'm just about to talk about. But, you know, within the last hour, Twitter has crashed um, and it just shows our utter reliance on the digital world. And also, has it crashed or has it been hacked? Which is, it leads me on to the story which has come out of the UK this morning because a general election has been called for next year. We don't have any dates yet, but already senior people are coming out and saying, you know, there's such a real risk posed by AI now uh, with deep fakes that there's a massive threat to UK democracy and uh, our next general election. So the senior politicians and the security services and the former justice secretary have all come out uh, and said, you know, this isn't a kind of in the future dystopian vision of reality. Um, you know, this is the threat posed to democracy by AI generated misinformation is here unless policymakers right now from, from the beginning of next year after the Christmas break show some leadership on this and put in a strong set of guardrails. Otherwise, we're going to be behind the curve on the next general election. Social media will just be flooded with, with images, uh, quotes. And it's all because, I mean, you know, fake news is nothing new uh, and, and fake images and fake memes of politicians, memes, whatever you want to call them, have been around for a while. But what is new is the leaps and bounds that artificial intelligence 
has made. Um, and they're talking about the boom in these large language models like ChatGBT uh, and the ability to kind of generate very sophisticated uh, images and films and videos of politicians saying and doing things which they didn't do. There's a couple of examples here, for example, that Labour leader Keir Starmer, there was a fake clip of him at the party conference in September, allegedly verbally abusing his aides. That was completely fake. It was taken down very swiftly, but it still had a million and a half views before it was taken down. And then there was a fake clip of Sadiq Khan calling for Armistice Day to be rescheduled in London because of the pro-Palestinian protest. That was completely fake. And of course, we were, you were talking this week as well about Imran Khan yeah. um, being able to talk from behind bars because he's not allowed to see anybody. So they did it with AI. Um, so there are huge warnings today about the smart technology, this AI generated stuff flooding the internet. Um, it's been a problem with Russia, Ukraine as well. Uh, what's real, what's not. Um, and I think, you know, this kind of whole smart AI talking to your tech, you know, Alexa this and whatever that, you know, it's a very dangerous line that we're treading with it making our lives better, so-called, but also leading us down a path where we don't even know if our so-called leaders are, are, are um, real or not. When, are they real or not anyway, you know, but but I think we're going to be looking at a lot more stories like this as the general election campaign gets underway. And I think a lot of people's time and a lot of journalists time will be, is this real? Is this real? Because we're so used to such sensationalist headlines now about everything. Everything is spun up a thousand percent. So a lot of time will be spent disseminating whether or not images, quotes are actually real. Uh, they're talking about whether it's the difference between bedroom mischief makers, you know, like some creative teenager in the back bedroom, or whether it's real sinister misinformation from, you know, political opponents. Uh, how do we tell the difference? That would yeah. be the question. And Gemma, don't forget anything that the general public has access to now the government and those with money had access to probably 10 or 15 years ago. And uh, it's like a steak knife. You know, you can use it to cut your steak. It's a tool, put it in the hands of a bad person. It could be used to stab half a dozen people. So with AI, I think Imran Khan used it for good. And of course, these other people used it for sinister reasons to get their own uh, misleading information out there, if you will. But um, the thing that you said surprised uh, you about me. I mean, I was advocating for what you just said uh, 15 years ago when I started on Talkback Radio to the point where people probably got sick of hearing me. I was telling people that your mobile phone is spying on you. Take it everywhere you go and they know exactly what you're doing. Uh, you know, And I, I agree completely these things. I've got one right here. I've got an Alexa thing right next to me. And I know they spy on us. I mean, and I hate that. Um, I can't trust the people, the, the ones who manufacture them, even if they're well intended, I guarantee that at some level, either the CIA or or ASIO or MI5, whoever, go and hack these things, or they basically force or blackmail them into handing over the keys to the kingdom, giving them access to these devices. Some people could counter-argue that if you're not up to no good, do you care? And that is a, a bad, not a bad argument. The simple fact is they shouldn't have the right to do it and that it should stop there. It should stop there. Absolutely. I mean, you know, it's all dressed up as convenience. It's all dressed up as like, you don't even have to think about anything. Just ask a robot in the corner. <laughs> That'll do it all for you. But there's got, there is definitely, when it's all dressed up for our convenience and safety, invert it, flip it on its head, because that's how the world works. You know, it's not benefiting us. It's benefiting the people that have put that uh, tech in. I mean, you know, Twitter's crashed. Has it crashed or has it been hacked? We, we, know, we don't yeah. know. The official line is it's crashed. But, this, you know, tech is it's fraught with danger. Um, and I do think, you know, we, you and I will be talking as the, you know, the general election campaign will get underway with great aplomb, I think, right into the, you know, few weeks time. Um, fake, fake news will be huge. It will yeah. be huge because the technologies run away with us. 
And Gemma, something that we are going to have to talk about imminently. And for those that don't know, I mean, you really should get a a virtual private network, a VPN, very cheap, a cheap annual fee. It anonymizes who you are online. But I mean, if the EU has their way and they get rid of Twitter, x.com, and they'd love to, um, if Elon Musk doesn't get rid of us fringe dwellers, us, us tin foil hat wearing truth tellers, um, they're going to shut him down. And the simple fact is all they can do is block him in that country. If you have an, uh, a VPN, you can change your IP address, pretend to be into, in whatever few countries remain who haven't banned Twitter at that point or x.com and you, you can get in through the back door. But even they, uh, the companies such as uh, Private Internet Access who claim you're safe because even if they raid us, we don't keep logs, I would suggest they probably do. Um, you know, and if they don't, somebody's logging their stuff because I can't imagine that all these VPN companies would be allowed to keep going knowing what you can accomplish through a VPN. Doesn't make any sense. Mm, uh, yeah, absolutely. You summed it up very well there, Dean. Well, yeah, that's one thing for those of you who don't know. I mean, that's what I do uh, for my main job. I'm an IT guy. I had a, a rather large internet company, started that in 1996, had Australia's largest bulletin board, which is what you dialed into with a modem, you know, 100, 196 lines coming into my mum's flat down in Marrickville. So uh, I've, I've been across computer technology for quite some time. Gemma Cooper is across everything else and uh, she's wonderful and we have her on this program every every day and look forward to it. She'll be joining you all in a couple of hours here at TNT Radio. Thank you, Gemma Cooper. Thank you very much. We'll be back after this. You should hear what Ross Cameron is talking about. I see there's a new trend taking place, sweeping uh, the internet of what they're calling sort of technology naked walks, where you go for a walk without your iPhone, without uh, a headset, and just alone with your thoughts. Apparently some people are finding it quite emotionally taxing, but subsequently liberating. Uh, certainly I find if I get into a motor vehicle with a teenager, it's a matter of seconds uh, before there is a request for uh, usually the latest uh, Taylor Swift song or some other form of electronic stimulus. We are generation apparently trained uh, for a very short concentration span and a desperate need for um, digital company. Ross Cameron on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. The light is Britain's far-right conspiracy theory paper spreading hate and vicious lies. No, that's what the BBC say. The Light is the only national newspaper bringing you the real news and informed opinion on what's really going on today. You can subscribe, order copies, submit articles and read back issues on our website, thelightpaper.co.uk and see for yourself why the establishment are so worried about the uncensored truth getting out to people every month. They've launched a new service called Wake Up Your Neighbours where you can get copies delivered to the streets right around you if you don't want to do it yourself. The Light Paper. Not for right, just right so far. Thelightpaper.co.uk Internet. Internet. A stream online. TNT Radio.live. Today's News Talk Radio. TNT. And welcome back to the program. I don't have the number in front of me, but I do remember it. I don't remember my own own number sometimes. 1-800-670-310 if you'd like to to give us a call, and we would absolutely love it if you could do that. We will be talking a little bit later to Craig Kelly, also to our own Jeremy Beck, for those of you who have been following my program for the uh, seven months 
eight months, I think it might be, that I have been here at TNT. You would know Jeremy Beck very well. We used to do the new segment that Gemma and I now do at the beginning of the program. And uh, I've missed chatting to him on a regular basis. As much as I love Gemma Cooper, I also, I'd love to chat to both of them every day. And we will be doing that a little bit later this hour. One thing I'm really going to ask uh, Craig Kelly about is because I can't get my head around it. He might be able to add something to it. I'm just going to get back to, to John Fetterman. It, it's just absolutely unbelievable. And the, for those of you who don't know, I mean, he. Uh, I'm just going to read a bit because there was some stuff I didn't know about him. He's 54 years of age. He looks older. Uh, a American politician serving as junior United States senator from Pennsylvania since, obviously, since this year. A member of the Democratic Party. He served as the mayor of Braddock. Didn't know that about him. Pennsylvania from 2006 to 2019 and the 34th Lieutenant Governor of Pennsylvania from 19 to 23, at which point he uh, he uh, got a bit of an upgrade. But again, very high profile. But somebody I can't imagine after seeing him the way that he was running up to the election and going up again, somebody such as Mehmet Oz, you, you would have to be a mental giant. And he seemed to be the exact opposite of that at the time. So I really have no idea what's happened, but I'd love some perspective in the online chat going off as word. What, what, what have we got here? Ivan wrote, sorry, keyboard mistake. Uh, I will be, I will be hiking at what is it? Man tour. I don't know. Ma'am tour. I don't know what that is. I have no idea. Ivan got in trouble yesterday, didn't you, Ivan? You, uh, there was, I think, uh, <laughs> Katie Hopkins was talking about Donald Trump and because it was American politics, I don't think Ivan was interested and he said, I don't give a, a rat's bum or something like that. And, and, and Katie, Katie gave him a bit of a, a caning. <laughs> Ivan's probably ha having a, a bit of a laugh. It was all in very good spirits as per always. And there is nobody that is more accepting of, uh, Katie is, I'll tell you what I love the most about Katie. It doesn't matter if you give her the highest praise or you give her the worst insult you could possibly imagine. She loves it. She loves your input. She think it's, thinks it's phenomenal, as do we all here at TNT Radio, but certainly nobody more than Katie. Absolutely terrific. And if you haven't watched the Katie Hopkins show, and I do mean watched the Katie Hopkins show, you absolutely need to be doing that. Uh, rubbish, actually, I think is Chris Slater's um, response to the movie. It, was that your response to the movie Love, actually, Chris? I don't know. I don't know. I think it's terrific, that movie. I think it's one of the best movies I've ever seen, a Christmas movie. Very clever, a bit like Pulp Fiction. It jumps back and forward and ties all the stories together in a nice, neat Christmas bow at the end. And there is a very funny scene with Rowan Atkinson. And yes, we've spoken to his brother, a very different brother, who's very political here on my particular program. But Rowan Atkinson plays a very interesting uh, part in a jewellery store where uh, he ties a bow and takes a considerable amount of time to do that. Now, VPNs can tunnel and bypass boundaries, but the controllers can still see what you do. That one coming from River, I think it is, uh, and they can. But I mean, some companies, they basically say, we don't keep records. And I'm just going to get quickly into that kind of technology. And a lot of people use it, you know, to pirate software. There was a particular instance uh, back in the day. It was a Matthew McConaughey movie that set the precedent here in Australia. Everybody was downloading movies on things like Pirate Bay, which I think is now defunct, or it isn't quite the original Pirate Bay. A lot of those websites where people would just go on and share via torrents. A torrent is where there's multiple people sharing little bits 
of the same file amongst each other. And because it doesn't require a server, they can't shut it down. You would have to shut down every single person on the internet who's sharing some, you know, who's pirating to be able to shut this down. And that's why I think it was the people who used to be behind Napster kind of came up with the technology. When they shut down Napster, it was uh, imperative that they cottoned onto something that couldn't be shut down. But uh, a VPN was what people were using to hide. And those who didn't and were downloading a particular Ma Ma Matthew McConaughey movie all got a letter, they got a letter from their uh, internet provider that was forwarded to them by their internet provider from the owner of the rights to this movie. Some people were silly enough to respond to that and then the people knew who they were. Until then, they had remained anonymous. All they were was an IP address. They took it further. They went to one of the courts in Australia. The courts said, you've got a case and we're going to proceed with it. And the internet pro providers shall provide you with all of the details so you can contact the people who have pirated your movie or downloaded, even if in part, your movie. Then these creeps in Hollywood got a little bit greedy. What they did then was the unimaginable. They said to the judge or the magistrate, okay, fair enough. Um, you're going to give us this information. What we want is their financial status. So if you're somebody that's on the dole, who doesn't have two pennies to rub together and gets by from week to week, we want to know that. And if you're somebody driving around in your Lamborghini Countach or your Bugatti Veyron, we want to know who you are. Why? Because when we send you our legal letter and we give you the option of either going to court or paying us a fee out of court, which is exactly what they were going to do. They wanted to know whether to ask you for $30 or $30 million. And at this point, the judge said, absolutely no way. And that was the end of that. It never raised its head again. And I'm guessing after that, a lot of people learned what a VPN was. They insist on using a VPN because those who use it, Hollywood would have no clue who they are. And likewise, if you have communications where you wish to get from point A to point B, um, they won't know who you are. And even if they do know a bit more than they're letting on, unless you're some sort of terrorist or something extremely bad, it's not likely to come back and bite you in the backside, I would imagine. All right, we're almost at that time. We're going to take a break. The news headlines, in fact, after that, we're going to talk to ex-liberal legend and, of course, current UAP state, uh, sorry, national director, Craig Kelly. We'll be having a chat with him right after this. Now, TNT Radio News. It's hot, see? It's very hot. It's hot news. So hot. Yeah, it's hot news. Hot news. Matt Boyland here with your TNT headlines. The Australian government has confirmed it has rejected a US request to send one of its warships to the Middle East, announcing instead it has agreed to deploy 11 Navy personnel to the region. The decision by Colorado's Supreme Court to block the state's 5.8 million residents from voting for Donald Trump in next year's election continues to ignite outrage. And it's been revealed the British military has secretly played a major role in US military operations in Africa. We're the pinup boys and poster girls for free speech. We just don't look as impressive as Vladimir Putin shirtless on a horse. Yeah. 
365. We never stop sifting fact from fiction, misinformation from the truth, from government overreach to the latest on mandates, big tech censorship to propaganda gone mad. Listen to TNT Radio and get the news and views direct from our expert presenters and commentators anywhere you go. Ask Alexa or Google to play TNT Radio or download the TNT Radio app for free from the App Store or Google Play. Today's news talk. This is TNT Radio. And welcome back to the program. Everybody in the online chat, very busy. What a wonderful bunch of people that we affectionately refer to as our tribe. And uh, a bunch of people in there, I think, uh, River saying thank you. You're, you are more than welcome, River. Uh, Holly's in there. Good morning. We've also got uh, uh, somebody else. Who was it? One said they should have a Lamborghini. I don't know. I'll have a look a bit later. Uh, we're going to talk to uh, a terrific guest, one of our regulars, uh, to the point where I would consider him to be a co uh, presenter on my program because we do get to him very regularly, formerly a Liberal uh, Party MP, somebody who advocated for your health above his own career and subsequently finds himself as the National Party Director for the UAP, somebody that I have a, a lot of faith in, somebody that is always across all the breaking news. I am, of course, talking about Craig Kelly, and we've got him with us yeah. right now, I do believe. G'day, Craig. Yeah, great to be with you, Dean. I, I was expecting to see your face. I didn't realise you would be on the phone. Mate, great to be talking to you. Before we get on to Donald Trump, Colorado, and I do believe from memory it is the 14th Amendment suggesting that he was part of an insurgency and uh, and all the rest of it. Mate, um, you would be no doubt aware of John Fetterman over in the United States, yeah? Yes, yeah. The very uh, tall guy that uh, goes around dressed as a hoodie that somehow got elected to the Congress. Well, that's him, and and exactly everything you're thinking about him right now is everything that I'm that I have been up until a week ago thinking and saying. Now he, I know he had a stroke, and I always said I don't think before the stroke that he was probably that terrific anyway. But mate, this guy has done a complete about face. He's suddenly become quite like Biden in reverse. Highly articulate. He's now saying he's he was never a progressive. He's taking on matters such as immigration, saying we need to lower the numbers. He's advocating for America and Americans. And, uh, mate, the left are getting very upset with him. I don't know what's happened. I've never seen it before. And I'm just wondering if you've got a theory, because I'm buggered if I do. <laughs> well, it's certainly an interesting um, change. But, look, how anyone in the U.S. thinks that their immigration policies at the moment are OK is, is just absurd. We saw the other day it was something like... In one single day, they had something like 16,000 arrivals, illegal arrivals on their southern border. 16,000 a day. Like, it is fundamentally changing their cities. You've got all these single male men coming into the US. It is going to cause problems for decades to come. And yet the Biden administration just seems to be, oh, well, you know, there's nothing we can do about it. I don't know how our people, how every single citizen in America irrespective of what party backgrounds that you come from, should be up in arms about what the Biden regime is doing. Mate, I would agree, and I would uh, almost suggest I'm surprised that's not literally, literally what they're doing. Of course, uh, some states, such as 
Texas have had enough and uh, they're bringing legislation in that would slow or certainly deter those coming in there. But of course, uh, the typical other states on the east and west coast, they're not uh, liking that. But uh, again, our, our friend John Fetterman, give him another couple of months and, and he might he might go across uh, from the Democrats to the Republicans. I've never seen anything like it. And I'm going to keep talking about it as I watch this transition because it gives me great hope. Maybe they gave him some stem cells or something. Maybe we, we could uh, put that into the porridge of the Democrats and to our Labor Party. I'll, I'll come down and be their tea lady for a while. If we can get that happening, that would be absolutely terrific. The porridge of the Democrats and to our Labor Party. I'll, I'll come down and be their tea lady for a while. If we can get that happening, that would be absolutely Terrific. Mate, um, what they're doing to Trump in Colorado, suggesting that he was part of, you know, what happened uh, on, on January 6th, that is absolutely uh, unbelievable. He advocated publicly for that not to escalate. And regardless of all of that, we've seen the video footage of the police escorting these people through the building like there was some kind of tour guide to suggest that that was ever an insurrection is beyond lunacy. Look, it's, it's actually a very sad day for lovers of democracy, for those you know, remember Australia, how, much, how important the US was to Australia uh, during that Second World War uh, and the years after it, that the American democracy underwrote our nation's freedom. And to sit here today and to watch the collapse of their democracy, I just find it just very, very sad. Uh, to the idea that Trump was somehow this insurgency, it was just a cooked up story. An insurgency is where you've got organised plans and people take over military bases and power stations and, and police stations and the communications networks. That's an insurgency. This was at its very highest a riot with a few people that had, you know, went around and did a, did a bit of mischief and then went home at the end of the day. The idea it was some sort of organised insurgency is a joke. And to think they are using that as an excuse to try and prevent uh, Trump to be on the ballot paper uh, in Colorado State, that is the greater threat to democracy. If you thought that what's the biggest threat to democracy, was it Trump having a bit of a protest after the election camp, after the election loss, where we saw, even if you think, some very surprising uh, you know, last-minute results and changes in polling. What is the bigger threat to democracy? Is it Trump protesting about the election results, or actually is it uh, you know, this conspiracy that they're working on to keep Trump off the ballot paper. Yeah, it's amazing what they're uh, up to. You know, we've had others advocating that if you're going to take him off the ballot paper, you can take me off too. And any conservatives who remain, you, you're part of this. You're complicit in the game that they're they're playing. I mean, I would argue, and um, I mean, a couple of things. Uh, Ross Cameron said yesterday, I think it was, that uh, America can no longer call themselves, and rightly so, the United States. They are anything but that. But mate, the fact mm. that they they're getting away with this makes you begs the question. Why did Donald Trump, and surely you and I could have easily predicted that exactly what they're doing to him right now, we could have predicted that. So why didn't he or those around him advocate that he do the same to them before they had the opportunity? I'll never understand that. And also fix the voting system before the, the last election. Look, if you look how, you know, I've been a big critic of the Australian Electoral Commission here in Australia. But if you look how we count our votes here in Australia, compared to how it's done in the US. The US does it like some just basically tin pot dictatorship. And look, we have here, at least you've got uh, booths and you can, there's tallies and there's cross checks and there's things with, if one booth somewhere or one school booth is out of alignment, you can check it and you can recount the votes. The way they just do it in the US and throw them all big bags of like votes, which no one knows where they came through, 
throw them all through automatic voting machines. It's it's that open to um, you know the questioning afterwards. It, it really is a a stain on the Americans' democracy. And but I think what will actually happen from this? I think most level-headed Americans will look at yourself. Yeah, this is a stitch up. Uh, this is a witch hunt. And I only think what will happen out of this is Trump's support will only get stronger. Yeah, mate, and it's it's beyond obvious. I mean, it's so beyond obvious. I pray that he gets in. I pray he's learned some very valuable lessons from this. And those lessons are how to play that game and play it better and turn the tables on them. I would pray, I would enjoy, would bring a smile to my face if we were to see that happen. I don't see it happening. But uh, mate, what, what odds would you give personally, and I am asking you to speculate, uh, of Donald Trump winning the next uh, election? I, I think he has to be favoured. If you look at some of the latest polling, he uh, seems to be well ahead in the polling. And all these attacks upon his character, uh, you know, Trump's got a bit of Teflon about him. Uh, the more <laughs> attacks that they make, especially the more illegitimate attacks. Like, you know, most, most people are not stupid. They see what you're trying to keep them off the ballot paper. Look, come on, this is not a fair go. And I just think he'll just get stronger and stronger. And um, you know, I, I really think it would be, uh, if for, for President Biden to win again, where you see the, the dramatic things that, you know, the decline in the American economy, and the decline in American prestige around the world, you know, the collapse of their democracy with these attacks on Trump, uh, it, it would really be a, a very sad day uh, for the Western world if uh, President Biden was to win again. It would. He, he reminds me in many ways there are some very strong parallels between him and Clive Palmer, and the reason being some of the crap that the media comes up with, the lies, the mistruths, uh, the things that they skip over subsequently that uh, dispel rumours that are floating around, whether it be with Clive or Donald Trump. But thank God those two fellas have the personal wealth to fight these. Mm. If this was a, a Ron DeSantis or somebody else with a, a limited financial income, and certainly if they couldn't crowdsource uh, that funding to fight these legal battles, the left would just walk straight over the rest of them, wouldn't they? Very true. Look, I still see here in Australia, people say, oh, you know, Clive put all that hydroxychloroquine, he was trying to corner the market to sell it for a profit. And that's what they gave it away. Because they've been lived, right? he, he, he bought it, he bought it, he paid for it out of his own pocket. He bought enough for every single Australian, something like 30 million doses of it, right? Gave it to the government. So he never actually had physical possession of it at any time. When it arrived, it was consigned to the government, not to himself, right? And you still have people say, oh, it was all, you know, something he did as a profit motive. That's because they've been fed the stories from the left-wing media that simply refuse to report the truth. Yeah, mate, and, and the other thing about Queensland Nickel, you know, the fact that, you know, they keep saying the client ripped them off. I mean, a couple of things. A, the company was already insolvent before. Those people weren't going to get a set. He bought it, kept them employed for a bunch of years, and then after yeah. it eventually um, happened, he paid them out in the end anyway. Did the news ever do an update on that and say they've all been uh, paid off? They had an extra seven or eight years of employment. You never hear that, do you? Just absolute yeah. BS and nonsense. If, if it wasn't for Mr Clive Palmer, all those workers in Queensland and Nickel would have been out of a job years ago. He took that over from BHP, that might, kept it open, as you said, for many years. In fact, I remember one year he gave all the executives in the company, he gave them a new car as a Christmas bonus. He gave every single employee... Uh, an overseas uh, holiday for their entire family. They were the bonuses that they got because the business was doing well. It was when the price of um, aluminium crashed. It was also when he had an issue with his uh, 
and some of the other businesses he had in. He did the right thing. He put the business into administration, which is the correct, lawful thing to do. The administrators came in, ripped all the cash out for themselves. And when Clive was able to get it back, you know, get a bit more organised, he came back, took it over and made sure every single cent was paid out, paid back the government all the redundancy schemes. So no one, no one that worked for Clive was out of a cent. And that mine, he's, he's kept it mothballed as the price of aluminium has declined. And I understand it's ready to open. There's, and there's been contract negotiations going on for about 18 months now. Um, uh, something on that mine is going to happen very soon, which would see it reopen. It's amazing uh, how different the truth is for that which the media advocates and the fact that, you know, with all these uh, uh, proposed information or misinformation and disinformation bills that they continue to do it uh, to an extent that is almost unimaginable to say nothing of the last three years and the fact that there are countless thousands, possibly millions of people who have lost their lives and are now incapac incapacitated as a result of them doing just that. We've got like a big 2024 coming up. Uh, I was just talking to uh, Melissa McCann today that's organising the class action uh, against Skerritt, against the TGA, uh, against Greg Hunt, uh, and also against that Paul Kelly, the Chief Medical Officer of the country. Uh, they are named uh, personally in this case. It now has over the class action case, over a thousand people taking a class action against them. Uh, that will come to the courts next year. Uh, we're going to see this missing disinformation bill have to be finalised sometime next year. Um, you know, we've got the economy tanking at the moment. And so next year is, is going to be a really big year uh, you know, in politics. Uh, there's a lot of tidying up to do from the mess of the past years. But, um, you know, expect a lot of things to happen in 2024. Well, Craig Kelly, mate, I'd just like to take this opportunity to thank you. Uh, for being a regular on my program. I'd like to thank you for what you've done for the Australian public. You were absolutely the most vocal. Your, yourself and Malcolm Roberts, uh, I will give credit as the two most vocal politicians when it comes to mandates and vaccines and whatever. I guarantee there are people alive today who would not be had it not been for the two of you, uh, mate. And again, I just would like to thank you for all that you've done. Uh, you know, again, you know, you put your own career in jeopardy. Uh, because you put people's health, you advocated for that above your own personal welfare. It, it is a rare trait. And, uh, mate, I'm, I'm honoured to call you a friend. And and uh, sometimes when we get politically active, um, a, a colleague and whatnot, mate. So thank you for coming on and being a part of it. Thanks, Dean. Appreciate it uh, very much. Look, you know, every single day when I'm out anywhere, people come up and give me a big hug and say, you know, <laughs> it, was, it was listening to you that saved me and my family. That's that happens to me every single day, and um, that's that's well worthwhile. All the uh, the barbs and hits that I copped in the in the media, uh, and with the passage of time, uh, it's shown that everything that I and the United Australia Party argued for, everything that we were right about. I, absolutely, and it's it's why I I was drawn to that particular party at the last election because such people such as yourself uh, were actively involved, and how how could I not? Mate, thank you. Uh, have a terrific Christmas and a new year, you and the family, and uh, we'll talk in twenty twenty four. Thanks, Dean. A Merry Christmas to you, the family, and all the listeners. United Australia Party National Director Craig Kelly, absolute champion fella. And uh, believe believe me, you probably know someone or know someone who knows someone who is still with us because of that man. We're going to be back with Jeremy Beck right after this break. Deweaponizing weather with reality and perspective. A few weeks ago, it was brutally cold across Europe. That colder air moved into the northern and central parts of Siberia. 
and it's now moving through China, where they've had some of the coldest temperatures that they've ever recorded. Now, this cold air, when it comes out over the Pacific, is going to cause a very interesting phenomenon. We're going to see this big upper air low pressure system really get cranking around the Aleutians. When that happens, the whole weather pattern in North America, which has been very, very warm, is going to change. What will happen is you'll get a big upper air high pressure system that will develop in response to that over the western part of North America. And that will send the Arctic air down into North America, especially the central and eastern part of the United States, for January. Now what's interesting is, this is known as the bathtub slosh theory, except that it doesn't really slosh. The theory is if it's cold on one side of the pole, a month to a month and a half later, it gets cold on the other side of the pole. But the way it accomplishes it is through a process where the cold air in Asia moves out over the water, and because the water is warm, causes the development of this big upper air storm, which in turn changes the weather pattern across North America. So we are not only the climate watchdog, but we're the weather watchdog. And while we've had a North American December exactly opposite of last year, well, guess what? Winter quit last year in January and February in North America. It looks like it's going to start coming out gangbusters this year, but not till after Christmas. This is TNT climate and weather watchdog meteorologist Joe Bastardi asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you've got. Hi, I'm Susan Lucci. I never thought about heart disease until I had my own heart event. I had a 90% blockage in my main artery and a 75% blockage in the adjacent artery. I received two stents in my arteries, stents developed through research funded by the American Heart Association. Those stents saved my life. Learn more about the American Heart Association's life-saving work at helpheart.org. Dean Mackin on today's News Talk TNT Radio. Welcome back to the program. For those of you who are listening, we welcome you. For those of you who occasionally watch, why aren't you watching all the time? Even if you're driving, I, I have to admit, I, I do occasionally watch videos when I drive. I shouldn't do that, I know, but I'm honest. At least I'm, I'm, I'm not a hypocrite. I am honest. Okay, so you should be doing that. And, of course, uh, imminently we will be joined by the wonderful Katie Hopkins. But right now we're going to be joined by Jeremy Beck, who is not only occasionally a fellow commentator here, so certainly somebody who did a fantastic job filling in for me not that long ago. He is also a big part of the Chris Smith program, being Chris's producer, and uh, so much of the content that is uh, – makes the Chris Smith show wonderful is as a result of this man, Jeremy Beck. Welcome to the program. G'day, Dean. Good to be back again. Mate, it always is... fan fantastic to have you on. Yeah, there's plenty to discuss today. I thought I'd just start with the story of Australia will not send a warship to the Red Sea as requested by the United States uh, with a call to safeguard cargo ships from attacks by the Iranian-backed Houthis. Now, we've had uh, Defence Minister Richard Miles, who says we won't be sending a ship or a plane. Uh, that said, we'll be almost tripling our contribution to the combined maritime force. Now, Dean, uh, tripling sounds like a lot, but actually the numbers are small. Uh, Richard Miles pledged that the number of Australian maritime forces staffed in Bahrain would increase from five to ten. And in addition, the government will deploy up to six Navy personnel to contribute to a new US-led task force. So um, 
He said that our forces uh, should be in our region, uh, the South China Sea and the Pacific area, etc. cetera. Uh, and that was one of the justifications there. Uh, now, the United States has issued a request to 39 nations that are members of the combined maritime forces in efforts to keep this critical shipping lane open. Now, the Red Sea is one of the busiest shipping lanes in the world. Up to 15% of the world's trade flows through the area, including millions of barrels of oil. So uh, with this uh, activity, which we've seen in recent weeks, uh, already we're seeing global supply chain shortages, uh, delays, ships now they don't go through the Suez Canal and the Red Sea. They go all the way around the Cape of Good Hope uh, around South Africa. Uh, and recently, uh, BP, the oil company, announced that it would temporarily pause all ships heading through the Red Sea. And several shipping companies have already uh, avoided the area. So you can understand why they want to you know, stop this uh, attack on ships. But I must say that the the attacks are mainly, as far as I'm aware, happening on ships that have allegiance to Israel. They're not attacking all ships. And this war, this uh, is very tied into the current conflict in uh, Israel and Palestine or Gaza. So I think uh, that is the, the main motive of the Houthis in, in terms of attacking those ships, because they're very much on the side of the the Palestinians. So it's uh, Australia has basically said, no, we're, we're not doing this. We're not sending a, sh uh, a ship or a plane in there. Uh, I think that's a, a, an interesting development. We've finally had the answer. We've, we've had a, quite a few indications that that would happen in the last several days, but now we've finally got the answer today. I think those numbers that you mentioned would be surprising many people, probably expecting that we were sending hundreds or thousands of military personnel, but again, uh, dozens, maybe closer to the exact number. If we're not sending any planes and we're not sending any ships, well, I wonder what their actual role, what they could actually be doing over there that would be any help at all anyway. Yeah, it's, it's interesting that, Dean, because uh, Bahrain is not in the, the Red Sea, uh, so I don't think, oh, well, that's another issue of concern. Of course, the, the Persian Gulf, uh, you know, huge amount of shipping goes through there as well, but that's not that link through to the Suez Canal. So that's a separate shipping route, which certainly uh, does need protecting if if, uh, if you were an oil company and or have any goods going through that region. But I don't think that our extra resources are really going to do very much in the region. I think it's a bit of a token support uh, towards the United States. Australia is not snubbing the United States entirely. Uh, it's just saying that we're not having a ship or a plane in, in the region. Now, we've seen the Shadow Foreign Minister Simon Birmingham. He was predictably critical of the government's decision, and he said that the government should be looking more favourably on this request. Uh, now, I see that um, Australia is not really snubbing, as I said before, uh, the United States, because um, it has expressed diplomatic support for freedom of navigation in the Red Sea in a 44-nation joint declaration, which was signed on Wednesday. Uh, the statement led by the United States and the EU condemned the Houthi attacks on the ships as unjustified and said seizure of a British-owned boat and capture of its 25 members and crew was appalling. Uh, now, uh, a Houthi spokesman by the name of 
Mohammed al-Bakhaiti, recently said on X, formerly Twitter, uh, he said, even if America succeeds in mobilizing the entire world, our military operations will not stop unless the genocidal crimes in Gaza stop. No matter the sacrifices it costs us, whoever seeks to expand the conflict must bear the consequences of his actions. And he added, saying the American form coalition is to protect Israel and militarize the sea without any justification. And we will not stop Yemen and, and will not stop Yemen from continuing its legitimate operations in support of Gaza. So you can see where they're coming from. Uh, it, it's a very, very difficult spot there, Dean, because uh, now we've got uh, a major war. You can't argue that many, many, many thousands of innocent people are getting killed. It's just horrific what's going on. And I think Australia, and I, I hate to say this, I generally don't support the Australian government, but I think they've made the right decision here because sticking more people into that region and stirring the pot seems to be only making it worse. Yeah, mate, I agree. And the reason that I don't really show my hand in this particular conflict is because I don't think either side has been doing the right thing. Uh, again, I mean, you, you, I do realise that what uh, Israel did as a response to so many young people being injured, but I mean, they injured so many more. The whole thing's horrific. And I, I would suggest that both sides need to uh, uh, let their heels cool and uh, for some cooler heads to prevail. Mate, as for that statement that was put out there uh, in regards to the Houthi, I don't think they'll be uh, too worried about that. They'll, as they have suggested, continue their attacks until there is a re resolution that uh, is favourable to the Palestinian people. In fact, after that statement, uh, if you don't mind me making a bit of a joke, you could uh, they could start a band called uh, Houthi and the Blowhards because <laughs> absolutely that's going to have no effect at all. What was the point of making that joint statement? I have no idea. I just hope that this ceasefire goes ahead, uh, that women and children um, aren't going to continue to get killed on either side because uh, at the end of the day, that's the one thing that I do care about, innocent people. Yeah. 100%, Dean. I mean, the, the innocent people getting killed on, on all sides, mostly, unfortunately, the Palestinians, because, uh, you know, it's just a it's just a horrendous situation there in Gaza. But of course, uh, those poor families who have hostages, the Israeli families, we've got to have our hearts go out to everyone yeah. in the conflict. I, I'm just on the side of the people, full stop. It is, mate. And for anyone to have hostages, it is ridiculous. It's, it's, um, Israel has always said historically we don't deal with um, with people who take hostages, but in this case they are. They're doing deals, but why wouldn't you? You know, if you can get some of your loved ones back, some of your fellow countrymen, especially when they are again innocent women and children, you are going to do those deals, and you can't blame them for breaking their own rules. Mm -hmm, for sure. Now I had another story um, here, Dean. I thought it was worth mentioning because um, I live in Victoria. I live in Melbourne, actually. And, Sorry to uh, hear that, Jeremy. Yeah. <laughs> no, he's gone. He's gone. So, and it's funny, I was going to say move to Queensland, but I mean, Palaszczuk was almost terrific compared to her, her, um, the, the guy that's in there now. I mean, it's just absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. Well, we've got rid of Dan Andrews, but really, yeah, it's the same Labor Party and really it's twiddle dum twiddle d. Uh, but uh, this is an interesting story here. Uh, statistics reveal a sharp jump in shoplifting across Victoria as retailers call for more protection. Now, normally I wouldn't comment on such a story, but this is an incredible increase. 
Thefts from retail stores have risen to their highest levels on record in Victoria, with fresh figures revealing a near 40% jump in shoplifting incidents. So in one year? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This wow. Is, it's huge. Uh, in the year ending the 30th of September this year, uh, there were 25,607 recorded thefts from shops, up from 18,445 in the previous year. So that's uh, about a 39 point something percent increase in one year. So it's a huge story. The Crime Statistics Agency Victoria Chief Statistician Fiona Dowsley said that the biggest rise in thefts had been around low cost goods rather than expensive luxury electronic goods. These aren't diamond heists. Uh, she says, uh, when you look at the, the top three items we're seeing being stolen, they tend to be consumable items. She says that liquor, snack food and clothing and soft drinks rounded out the top uh, categories. Petrol thefts have also risen in the past 12 months. And uh, this is this is just because people's ability to pay, uh, the, the cost of living, we're in a an economic crisis and it's no obviously no justification for crime but you can just see why it's happening and in a statement regarding crime statistics victoria police linked the rise in theft to inflation and cost jeremy of living we have to go we've got about 10 seconds jeremy beck we thank you very much everybody stick around katie hopkins coming up after this and uh, i'll catch you tomorrow